0: America and
1: this, and this is, is book talk. talk.
0: Okay, Katie, let's do like a quick summary of what we read because there's a lot that happens in these chapters. They're short, but like, wow,
1: so much is going on. Yeah. So let's get into what this week um, kind of was to summarize where we were at. So we started from Poe Boy's perspective. We kind of go through when they lost their first child and his perspective on being a dad and being a grandpa. From there, the author moves on to talking about Iris at Oberlin, and that's for the next, that chapter. And then in two chapters, we go back. Um, So we're seeing Iris kind of coming more into herself. We can talk a little bit about how she's learning to identify with her peers. Um, And then we talk about her thinking back to being in high school and how Aubrey's mom really shaped that time for her um chapter 10 we talk about melody or we hear about it from melody's point of view and she's at school um it ends with a really powerful paragraph about 9-11 and um where she was at when it happened and then it ends with basically repeating my father my father my father and so we've got a lot of questions after reading that paragraph um And then, like I said before, we ping pong pong back to Iris being at Oberlin again and talking to Aubrey, who's clearly still an important part of her life.
0: Yeah. Then in Chapter 12, we go back to the story of when Melody was born and see from Iris's perspective, like how she's kind of uh, embodying that moment, what it feels like, how she's struggling with the needs of being a mom and I just love like the package of chapter 12 13 and 14 I think is so beautiful so 12 we have Melody being born in 13 we then have this one scene of Aubrey and his mom at the beach where she falls and needs his help and this is when he says like I knew when she fell for the first time I think he's referencing like he knows that she's sick and not going to be around for much longer we then have Melody's perspective of the day that Iris leaves for college, and it ends with her remembering her father holding her while she's kicking and, and screaming and crying for her mom. So it's just this re- these moms and their children and their relationship and how it's so complex what motherhood
1: is and what it means. It's just so beautiful. It is. It is. Okay, so let's get into some discussion about this. Um, since we just kind of went through a chronological order of what happened in this section, I kind of wanted to start talking about these jumping timelines. So, in, in almost every chapter, she's changing who the who the storyteller is and in what time frame they're talking. Um, so, I want to know what you think that adds or takes away from the story that she's telling.
0: We've mentioned a couple times how Jacqueline's so effective at unveiling layers so we're learning different sides to these characters in different ways at different times so we're finally learning the story of when Iris decided to apply for college which was when she was still breastfeeding and Melody was really young so she knew and was planning for this almost immediately so it wasn't something where she had a couple of years and then decided it was almost immediate like she needs to go to college but we only uncover that later which I think kind of makes it even more dramatic because you're rationalizing maybe for Iris why this decision might not be related to motherhood or could be for a bunch of different reasons. And then we find out that the reason is just this immediate need to make something of herself, continue her education, and almost like push away this need that Melody has for her. So I think in general, jumping timelines is just like unveiling layers and letting us come to our own assumptions about – you know, what type of mom Kathy Marie is. And then in this section, we learned she's an amazing mom who brought Iris under her wing when she needed her and, you know, kind of even gave
1: Iris the option of making something of herself by continuing her education. Yeah, I think she does a really good job of that. I think also a part of Jumping Timelines is she's helping you to kind of develop that story and that understanding of the characters by making you understand how the past affects the present which i feel like we do not consciously do a lot of times and especially with other people we can decisions people make can seem very like rash or based on one thing that you can linearly see may have caused that decision and i think jacqueline forces you to look back and see how every single one of these moments could shape how you see characters how you make decisions how you kind of understand where you're at currently like with kathy marie absolutely um, I
0: think it's also like the jumping timelines and also jumping narrators helps with us identifying with different characters in different ways. So, our question of the week this week was which character do you resonate with the most? And, Katie, I'm curious how you would actually answer that question. Like, who are you relating to the most at
1: this point in the book? I think that I identify equally at the current moment. I think it will change as we read through the book with Iris and Aubrey. I think that identify with Iris's ambition and her want to kind of exceed what people think or change or go against people think she should do what they expect her to do, what she's supposed to be doing. And also with that ambition to create something of herself and kind of leave her mark on this world. Um, and, but I identify with Aubrey cause I think that is only part of me. I constantly want to be that person. That's like, I will shove away all of this. I don't need these people or this love or this like, you know, like, especially younger me, I remember being, like, which, love you, Jason, in my, like, journal at that time, I was, like, I'm going to go to Europe. I'm not going to date anybody. I'm not going to get a dog. I'm not going to settle down. I'm just going to travel the world for a year. Then I, you know, moved to South Carolina with my boyfriend. So that didn't work. So I think that's the Aubrey part is, like, I still also understand that, like, deep need to settle into this, like, life of love and contentment that he's clearly comfortable with.
0: Probably completely unsurprisingly, I relate most to Iris. I think this idea, you know, when we've talked about Three Women and how much we love that book by Lisa Taddeau, part of what that book does so well is to tap into something that is like authentically the female perspective. And in that book, specifically female desire in all of its like honest and not socially acceptable forms. Um, And I think that's what I see in Iris. Like these thoughts she's having are not pretty. They're not nice thoughts to have your child and say like, she needs me so much. It's too much. Like I have to get away from it. Um, But I think we've all, we all can relate to that of just having this really strong calling to do something different, to change your entire life, to realize you walked down a path that you regret. Um, She
1: doesn't have any self-loathing about it. Which is impressive, honestly. I feel like she's very she's very content in her decisions and like self aware and I don't know self confidence the word but she's comfortable with the decisions she's made. I can't I can't wait
0: to see if we jump further in the future to see how Iris feels about that decision when she's like Kathy Marie's age, like when she's much older. When maybe Melody has a child, you know how are these feelings gonna evolve? Because she's so headstrong and sure that what she did is right. and It'll be very interesting if she keeps that perspective and that
1: clear-mindedness or if she changes her mind later. Right, and I know we talked about how people, we define ourselves in the context of others, and so I wonder if she has any other, or like in her life, if she'll ever come across other people who either struggled as much as her or had children as young as her or if Melody, for some reason, has a child at at 18, if that will change her perspective on the decision she made. Sometimes I think the time between them or seeing seeing someone else make the decisions you did can change how you feel about it.
0: One thing you said that I love is about how you are in kind of in between Iris and Aubrey of like being independent and also being dependent with your partner and having like both desires at the same time for independence and security. And one thing we see in the chapter at Oberlin when Iris is on the phone with Aubrey is she's still holding on to him. And she's not really as independent as she says because she has this safety net of her family, of Aubrey taking care of her daughter, of Aubrey still giving her attention, love, you know, telling her that he misses her, he loves her.
1: She's still getting a lot out of that relationship. Right. But I think this is an unhealthy way to be secure and independent comparatively. Like, I think that's exactly what's happening is she still gets to have that sense of security, but she's using that with Aubrey. Like she, she can call Aubrey and she knows he'll pick up the phone, but I think that's because their relationship is unbalanced. Like Iris clearly holds the power in that. And we can see that through their whole relationship. She holds the power of that relationship. Aubrey loves her more. Like, so she can do that and he's never going to leave or not answer her call or put up those boundaries. And because of melody, he really can't. But even if they didn't have Melody, there would still be that imbalance and it would be good for Iris to have that like security, but also that independence. It's like that she's getting her cake and eating it too. And Aubrey's getting nothing out of this except for false hope. Maybe that was a little harsh, (laughs) but I do feel like those are the relationships. It's just, it's imbalance and you can have like a secure partnership where that person allows you to also be independent. That is not what's happening here.
0: So I'm not I'm not totally sure if this is correct, but I'm under the impression that during this time, Aubrey and Melody are living with Sabe and Poe Boy. So it's it's so unfair. I mean, because Aubrey's having these thoughts of like, oh, she sounds high. I wonder if she's like dating these guys at college. And what is he going to do? He can't date someone and bring her back to Iris's parents' house. You know, he he can't. He can't do anything other than, like, work and come home and take care of his daughter because he's the sole provider for her um, with some help from his,
1: you know, his kind of in-laws. And he's still so much living in Iris's web. I mean, he's living in her childhood home with her parents. Like, he's never going to be able, maybe not never, but it is going to be a hell of a lot harder for him to move away from this relationship in any kind of healthy way because he's still so ingrained in that. And she gets his independence. He's not, I wonder what his life will be like in 10 years. Yeah. From when he has Melody.
0: A good example of this is when Iris talks about staying in her parents' home and how they didn't let Iris and Aubrey stay in the same room, but Aubrey would come visit her at night. And then, you know, she would wake up alone. And it's almost like that's what she wants. Like, she wants this partner who will appear in the middle of the night when she wants him and then disappear in the morning. And it's also symbolic that Aubrey's the one coming to her, she's not sneaking into his room, he's taking all the risk to go visit her, and she's just kind of accepting it it, from a comfortable position.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. I don't think that that's what she wants. I think that's what she's comfortable with because she clearly leaves because this is not enough for her. This is not what she wants. Um, I don't know that she knows what she wants, and I think while you're figuring it out, it's like a very nice advantage to not be completely alone and be having someone that you can call. I mean, but I definitely think she wants more than Aubrey, who I feel like she just feels very mediocre towards, which is so sad because he is, like, the definition of, like, the way that he talks about wanting her and, like, holding her, just, like, he is,
0: he loves her. He loves her. So turning from Iris and Aubrey, I want to talk about Melody and Melody's chapters for a minute. So first, we'll think about the chapter where Melody is recalling the moment that Iris leaves, and she's, like, three or four at the time. Do you think she actually remembers this moment or is she kind of creating that memory from something she knew happened and heard about and is kind of projecting her feelings from now on to that? Or do you think she's actually remembering that time?
1: I think that it's probably a combination of the two. I think that she probably has like a partial memory of that, but I think she's, layering on her emotions and how she feels about iris and has grown to feel about iris over the years onto that moment with the assumption that's how she would have felt then as well i don't know if i think that you could remember your emotions at three years old in that moment the way that she clearly does i think it's a combination of listening to people tell the stories taking how they clearly felt about that moment what they're telling her she was doing and how aubrey was feeling and combining that with how she feels about iris now and deducing that that's how she felt in the moment and that's kind of how I thought a lot of memories, I feel like, are developed, though. So. You reminded me
0: that in that chapter at one point, Melody says, Iris, where are you going? And we know that's grown-up Melody. That's how she refers to her mom, and probably not at that age. It's a clue that she's reading onto that scene from her present moment, which is what we all do with memories, but I think especially with a childhood memory.
1: All right, so in this other chapter from Melody... Um, In the beginning, we don't know who's telling the story, but as we see the narrator relate to other characters, we understand that it is Melody's section. Um, And she's talking kind of about her time at school, about the celebration, um, an understanding of Black culture and of her group of friends. So I wanted to know what you thought about this insight into Melody in this chapter. If Aubrey is working in the mailroom
0: in the towers, one of the towers, this could be when he passes. And we're seeing Melody, whose entire world is wrapped up with her relationship with her father, who she's leaned on and needed and, you know, loved so much, potentially lose him. And that's kind of this refrain at the end of my father, my father, my father works in that building. And she's having that experience with the other people in the room. But because we know how amazing Aubrey is, it's like it's so painful for us to read, too to come from this chapter of, like, joy, security, celebration, to the worst day in, I think, most New Yorkers' lives, and especially for Melody.
1: Okay, so next week we are finishing the book. We're so excited. I can't wait to see. I feel like there are so many loose ends. I'm so excited to see how she kind of ties this together. Um. So next week we're finishing it. Yay. The podcast will be a little bit longer. We'll do our
0: normal like discussion about the book, but we'll also have a guest with us. So we're very excited about that. So excited for you guys to meet our guests. Next week we'll also announce the new book that we'll be reading next together. So we'll give you a week to buy the book from your local bookstore, hopefully Shout out to Book Loft in German Village, um, if you're in Ohio, in Columbus. And I would say my favorite bookshop, if you could, would be Books Are Magic in Brooklyn or Cafe Con Libros. So Cafe Con Libros. you can get your book. Then we'll start reading. So we'll have a week off of the podcast. And then we'll have the first podcast of the new
1: book. So next week, lots going on. So exciting. So much going on. Yes, I can't wait. I'm excited for our first guest and get another perspective besides ours on this book and all of these different things to discuss. Talk, talk. talk, talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Erica, how was your week? How was your weekend? What's up? What's happening?
0: This past weekend, I went upstate uh, with a couple of friends. So we kind of established like a pod, everybody quarantined and got tested um before we went at different times and kind of people shuffled in and out of the house um and when I was there I was there with five friends and it was so I forgot how much I missed like having dinner with people at a big table and cooking for each other and just like talking to people like face to face you know playing games stuff like that it was just like so Wonderful. I thought I would come back like super rejuvenated, and I didn't because we stayed up so late every single <laughs> night. But
1: it okay, does so your fun. soul feel a little rejuvenated though?
0: Yes, and I definitely had moments of like when I was there at dinner with everybody talking, where you forget like, oh wow, this is like a terrible year, <laughs>
1: and that it's nice, it's necessary sometimes. Um, that's how I feel like after every trip I take. I rarely take a vacation and come home like. Not yeah, Physically true. tired. Um, I feel like we went to Maine last month with Jen and Paul, who are the people we quarantine with. So my same Your quarantine pod. pod, my pod. Um, and we went to Maine, and it was like I did forget for a little while that you're up there because it's just like so beautiful, and you're outdoors, and you're we're in our own little cottage. You forget that what's happening around you, which I think is necessary to come back and it's, it's deal with. It's definitely sometimes necessary. Yeah, I'm glad you had such a good time upstate, though. My life velocity has just been. <laughs> working I went we're opening a new pharmacy so things are a little crazy at the current moment but you know the hotel room is a plus of that and and I got to uh drive back and forth to Cincinnati with people that I work with that I don't normally get to like spend time or hear about their lives outside of work I always love doing that so that sounds nice that was fun and your food you're doing like a oh yeah Jason got tired of um me cooking baked chicken and salmon every night and he was like Can we do a Japanese, can I do a Japanese meal week next week? I was like, yeah, whatever you want to do as long as you're doing it and the dishes. (laughs) Andy is, though. We've had three Japanese-inspired meals, and um, last night we had sushi. I'm happy. Marry a chef. It's worth it. That's awesome. All right. Okay. Well, have a great week, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
0: talk is made by me erica bailey and katie cheney with production support from dan white our theme music is by dan white we'll see you next week i am talking so quickly i'm like out of breath i keep like backing away from the microphone to breathe i'm a
1: professional fast (laughs) talker so i'm having to constantly i hear my mom in my head being like breathe between sentences (laughs)